Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Bryant Ott here from whiteandbluereview.com. I'm joined this week by Matt DeMoranis. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Good to be on again. And uh, really just want to jump right into things. Uh, we're coming to you a little bit later than our normal time frame uh, that we've established so far this week, but it was worth it. Uh, holiday season is upon us here as Creighton basketball fans because the Blue Jays started practice on Friday, September 30th. And I know, Matt, that uh, you were there for the first day of practice. Um, before we jump into our interviews today, which, just by the way, you might have heard of um, our uh, – well, I guess he'll be our second on the on the podcast. You caught up with a pretty good golfer, um, uh, graduate of Creighton University, uh, Doug McDermott. I'm not sure if people know him, but uh, plays for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Naismith Player of the Year for the Creighton Blue Jays a few years back. No I think Matt, I think he's actually related to Creighton men's basketball coach Greg McDermott. I'm it's so funny. There's been a couple times when I've seen um, Coach Doug McDermott coaching on Fox Sports One broadcasts. So I, I was a little confused. I wasn't exactly sure who was what, but yeah, I'm still digging into the relation on that one. But I'm pretty sure they are related. Okay. Well, well, we'll update you as the process goes along. Who knows? That could have been one of the interview questions you had for, for former coach Doug McDermott and current golf standout in in the state of Illinois. But all uh, you know, all seriousness, your ability to work with the Chicago Bulls uh, PR team to get an interview with Doug, exclusive ten minute interview with Doug. Uh, really looking forward to bringing that to our listeners this week, and then bookending that. Um, the last interview that we'll have for the day is uh, Creighton Women's Soccer, uh, Creighton Women's Soccer standout Lauren Sullivan. I know you've been following her career pretty closely, Matt, and you got a chance to catch up with her for a good uh, 10, 11 minute interview, chronicling her career and, and some other highlights. So we're going to end the show with that. Uh, but first, and something that segues nicely into what we're all very excited about, which is the start of Creighton basketball. 2016-2017 season, a season that's carrying some return to high expectations, I think, uh, amongst casual and diehard fans alike, as well as uh, local and national media. Uh, Matt, you went to the first day of practice and you saw Coach Darren DeVries working over some of these players this first day. You were able to sit down with D-Rock on Friday and talk to him for an extended amount of time. Um, so we're really looking forward to that interview. But first, I'll stop talking. I want to get your impressions, Matt. That first day of practice, everybody's excited. Um, the players, the coaches alike, and certainly fans to start seeing information trickle out of the championship center. What can you tell us, and how would you set the scene for Creighton fans that aren't exactly up to speed on what those first couple weeks of practice look like, and especially the first day kicking things off? This is always kind of like a wild time right now because obviously you've got you know the three fall sports that are really you know they're kicking into gear in conference play, and then now you're running into the start of men's basketball, and then obviously women's basketball is waiting in the weeds um, to get started as well. So it's like all five sports converging. It's usually when guys like me uh, start thinking of sleep as a myth, um, like the Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot and whatnot, um, and then. Uh, so, yeah, they've been, as far as the men's basketball team goes, they've been really kind of, you know, ratcheting it up each week at the championship center. 
Um, obviously, the Denver Nuggets um, are in town as well, working at the Championship Center. So it's pretty, it's a pretty hectic scene there, pretty much every day. Um, and I think on Wednesday, uh, you know, Greg McDermott uh, met with the media and uh, kind of just set the stage for what everything is going to be going on as far as the next couple weeks go. And then after that, they went through a two-hour team workout, which was pretty much, aside from not um, having a scouting report to go through and dissect and pick apart, um, it was pretty much like a normal practice, really. So I felt like the players, you know, the newcomers and then the the players that are coming off injury, like Martin Crample and Cole Huff and um, Isaiah Zierden, who's been a little banged up, uh, they kind of got to, you know, get warmed up a little bit, get the juices flowing as far as what a normal practice day is going to feel like here. Um, they went through, it was about a two-hour session, and uh, um, the coaching staff, the assistants were all out on recruiting, so Greg, Coach Mack ran it pretty much himself, um, was very hands-on, um, very, you know, making sure, especially the, you know, the young players like Davion Mintz and uh, Kobe Paris are, you know, trying to understand what they're what they're expected of or what is expected of them I should say and then obviously Friday was the day that is the official the official official start even though they do quite a bit of work um, leading up to it in the month leading up to it but Friday was the official start of practice that everybody can you know celebrate as the day that Creighton basketball is back and all this yada yada so um, yeah all the coaches were there and uh, it was really interesting because you know, normally they're pretty hands-on as an entire staff, but they were particularly, all of them were locked in and engaged. I don't think I've kind of seen a setup like that hmm. where if you, you know, if you kind of like, there was a moment where I thought about taking a picture of it just because it looked kind of, you know, it looked kind of interesting, but um, I don't think any of the coaches were within maybe five feet of the three-point line while the players were doing drills. So, I mean, they were all really hands-on. It's all really intense down there. I think I think that has something to do with the expectations of this team. I think they know that this is a group that can, you know, that can, you know, handle those expectations and that can compete for a Big East title and, you know, make a run in the NCAA tournament. I, you know, I, I certainly have not seen any, you know, pushback on expectations as far as that's, as far as, far as that goes, so... Um, it was a pretty hands-on practice, um, but a pretty basic one. You know, they went through their shell drills, their closeouts, their ball screens, and you know, just kind of getting the fundamentals um, put into place before they really start digging into the playbook and um, you know, implementing their sets and starting to scout teams and this and that. Um, as far as individual standouts go, it was a good. You read my mind. Play. I mean, that's yeah. exactly. I mean, everybody wants to know, right? Yeah, yeah, I've done this before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as individual standouts go, that people will be, you know, excited about. Obviously, Cole Huff is back. Um, he obviously we wrote about this on the site uh, that he underwent microfracture surgery after the season ended last year with the uh, NIT loss to BYU. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit, obviously to him, Then they didn't really think they were going to do microfracture surgery, but while they were in there, they thought, you know, it was probably the best method of recovery and um, best to help him 
be effective going forward for his final year. So he was back on the floor after kind of taking it easy for six months and just working on, you know, kind of strengthening his upper body and things like that and what he could do. Um, and he looked really – he looked he picked up right where he left off. I mean, he was in uh, Madison Square Garden mode. Uh, you know, he got the first shot to go down and like is uh, a habit with Cole. Once he gets that first one in, he kind of just heats up from there. And I don't – I think he maybe missed one shot all day. Hmm. And each one that went in was getting less and less of the rim. So he looked pretty good for his first day back. Um, Marcus Foster looks like he's in a lot better shape than he was when he started when he came back to school and started camp. I think he was a little he was a little behind as far as the individual workouts go, but he's caught up in a hurry. And um, yeah, he's going to be a big difference maker on the wing for Creighton, obviously. Uh, and then the other one is the other pretty good standout was Justin Patton, but. Um, you know, just to see the strides that he's made in strength and conditioning wise. Sure. Yeah, I was, knew that he was a really good athlete going in, and that he could cover a lot of ground and, um, you know, jump out of the gym and all sorts of things. But the strides he's made with his body and getting that thing ready um, are really going to jump out at people. And I think, you know, I'll temper, I guess, what I saw <laughs> yesterday in the fact that he wasn't going against a an actual center. So he was going against undersized guys that were trying to stop him at the rim. But mm-hmm. um, but the one thing I guess I am curious about is he spent a lot of time working on his jump shot over the offseason and got to a point where the coaches like it and think it's an effective weapon. But yesterday he was exclusively post. He was hmm. you know, he was working on a lot of seals in transition, running to the rim in transition. Um, you know, he really wanted to dominate down there. It looked like he made an effort to do so. So I thought that was interesting that he wasn't really jump shot happy on day one, and I'm curious to see how his uh, how diverse he'll he'll try to make his game um, here in his first year of eligibility. Yeah, I mean because you know the one guy that didn't practice yesterday much, if at all, right, would be Zach Hansen. Uh, the other, uh, ret- I mean, say other returner, but Justin's only returning in that he was in the program last year. From the low post uh, position, I know Cole at 6'8 can play a little bit down there, but um, Justin, because of Zach's injury and and, uh, for other reasons too, like he's legitimately seven feet long and he's got arms that are longer than my car is. So (laughs) he's going to have to, I mean, spend a lot of time down there, no matter whether he wants to take those dream fades or some of of those other – jump shot attempts, um, the team's going to really rely on him to be the big body down low, right? Mm. Yeah, especially I think on the defensive end, it's going to be a big, a big focus for him because he has, you know, in the in a couple of years going back here, you always talk, you heard a lot about Gregory Echenique and, uh, you know, the way he kind of could erase some mistakes that maybe Creighton made on the wing or mm-hmm. You know, in garden dribble penetration, but also that he didn't need to be, he didn't need help down low either. He didn't have to double team his man and worry about finding, um, you know, help for him in in his one on one situations. So I think I, Justin, you know, obviously isn't a physical presence like Gregory is, but he has shot altering ability. That is that. I mean, it. You know, he's there, but it catches up to you because he covers ground so quickly. You know, I mean, I think Kobe Paris had a had a pretty much a breakaway two-handed dunk. If you've ever seen Kobe dunk, that's another thing that people are going to love. Uh, that dude tries to rip the backboard off of the ceiling. Like, that's all right. He's a violent dunker. So 
though he had a breakaway pretty much, uh, you know, coming from the elbow down to the rim. And it looked like, you know, this was going to be another rim shatterer. And then all of a sudden, Patton just stuffs it. He just <laughs> comes, he comes, he came from the other side. And, it, you know, but that right there, like, like Matt, that was 35 seconds of Creighton basketball porn. I mean, <laughs> you talk about. Six six guys, freshman flying off the wing, two hand jams to a seven foot redshirt freshman that comes out of nowhere and blocks it. I mean, those were words that were not repeated uh, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. And I know one of the things that you talk with D Rock about is you know just the up and down athleticism on this team from top spot all the way to newest newcomer. You know, talk a little bit about. Uh, there, I did it. I did the whole talk a little bit about thing. But um, <laughs> let me ask a more pointed question: When you are at practice, uh, whether it was the the official, official, official start or anything before that, you know, how much does that athleticism stand out to you from top to bottom, um, and how you know how even does that make the playing field at practices? Well, I mean, I think we talked, you and I talked about this a couple, maybe it was our first or second podcast, but we were kind of curious, and I know I was, about, you know, how they were going to implement all this improved athleticism into the system that they have. You know, as far as tempo goes, as far as getting to the rim more, as far as, you know, picking roles and looking for, you know, alley-oop situations versus just you know, trying to find corner threes or whatnot and, you know, ball reversals and things like that. Obviously, that's still a huge part of what they do because they have, you know, Marcus Foster's a really good shooter. Cole Huff is a really good shooter. Isaiah Zierden was – Isaiah they have tape now around the three-point arc at NBA distance uh, because of the Nuggets that are in there, you know. So that's where Zierden's been shooting for the last week. Hmm. It's just from beyond NBA range, and he's drilling everything. So – you know they have really good shooters on this team, so I don't think I don't think let it fly is is gone. I think it's still a really big part of what they do. But uh, and I've joked about this before, but I think let it fly is also going to be modified because they've got some guys who can absolutely fly. Um, and uh, that's what we kind of talked about a little bit with uh, Coach Devries is you know kind of just plugging the different type of athletes into the system and you know trying hard to I guess find that balance between you know, making them disciplined, making sure they stay on their feet, um, you know, making sure they stay in front of their guy, but also still being aggressive to where they can, you know, they can jump a passing lane here or there, or they can go for a block shot, or, you know, they can get out and transition and go right to the rim and that sort of thing. So I'm really curious to see still um, what what uh, differences they make in those areas. And, uh, you know, the conversation with uh, Coach DeVries goes, you know, we touch on that a little bit, and then he kind of just breaks down pretty much the roster, the newcomers, the returners, and kind of what, I guess, people can expect, um, you know, some of the things that Creighton will try to do this season. You segue into that nicely, Matt, uh, like a true professional. Um, your yeah. interview with Coach DeVries, um, obviously we're going to listen to it here now, but anything – important that you want to note as you set this interview up or does it pretty much speak for itself? Yeah, it pretty much speaks for itself. You know, D-Rock is a pretty, uh, you know, pretty straightforward guy. He's pretty, you know, and then this time of year is where he's really locked in. So, you know, he'll shoot you straight, but um, it's still pretty informative for 
you know, the people, the fans and things like that who can't be there every day and see the inner workings of, you know, what they're trying to do on a daily basis. All right. So with that, we're just going to go jump right, right into the interview. This is Matt DeMarinas catching up with Creighton men's basketball assistant coach, Darren DeVries on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Man, that summer felt like it went by pretty quick, yeah? Yeah, I think it always does. Um, you get through the, uh, the spring and the guys go home for a little bit, and it seems like when they get back, you barely kind of get started with what you're trying to work on. School's already here, but um, uh, it was good, though. I thought our guys had a really good summer, and some of it was just healing, you know, with all the guys we had out, uh, finally getting most of them back. So that's uh, that's been good. That's been the most uh, productive part of the summer, is probably getting those guys uh, close to healthy again. For sure. Did you, as a coaching staff, meet up and kind of think, um, kind of dissect the season last year and figure out what maybe key areas that needed to improve in order to take a step forward this year? Did you give the players some objectives? Well, I don't know that we necessarily came up with, uh, you know, as a staff, like this this or that type deal. I know a few of the things we talked about was just kind of our overall discipline in, in some, some areas where you lose a lot of close games, and a lot of times that comes down to execution. Um, you know, one or two, three plays in the offensive end, a little little more solid on the defensive end. So throughout the summer, throughout all the workouts, it was a constant phrase of, of discipline, 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 whether it be, you know, leaving your feet or, uh, just being in the right spot, you know, over and over and over again. Because uh, the reality was, we were in a lot of games. So if we had won them last year, we were in the NCAA tournament. Um, for the first 39 minutes, we were good enough. But we didn't finish off the deal. And hopefully, with some of the guys uh, being vets that you have back from last year's team, and the addition of the new guys, uh, hopefully, there's some, some things that will impact uh, some of those games with, with, with that group as well. With, I guess with, the, with a more athletic group as a whole, is it hard to rein it in as far as, you know, wanting to jump a passing in or wanting to go block a shot? Or, like you said, discipline is a pretty important thing, but sometimes with athleticism, guys think they can just make a play. Is it hard to kind of rein that in a little bit but still make it a strength? I think it can be hard. It, it still comes down to, um, like, we want our guys to be aggressive, both ends of the floor. Uh, we never want our guys looking over their shoulders on taking a three, not taking a three. But at the same time, they have to have a good understanding of what a good shot is and, and what a bad shot is. Uh, so you want to be able to tell them that, um, but not take away their aggressiveness at the same time. So um, the same thing with jumping passing lanes. Like we want our guys to be in their, their gap defense as we play and stuff, but still be able to anticipate and know when they can jump out and grab them. Um, but it's no different than you know a, a D-back in football. Like if you're going to go for the interception, you got to come up with it. Uh, otherwise, it sits the other way. So, um, the same thing we want our guys to do defensively. We want them to be aggressive. We want them to take take uh, chances. We just have to control the aggression. We're still not jeopardizing the rest of what you're trying to do. I guess without giving away all the trade secrets with the season coming up, but with uh, with this group, I guess with a new group, do you look at things at this point and see what maybe things you can interject new to this group early on, or do you kind of wait and see how they perform on the basic fundamental parts of the first? Yeah, I think for the most part you kind of stick with uh, you know what we've been doing and try to do it, do it better, but it's, it's more about trying to find ways to use the pieces that you have and how they fit together. You know, specifically, you know, Marcus Foster sitting out last year, so you know, what's the best way you know, to get him involved and, and get him in position? 
where we feel like we can be successful and, and help the team. And, and then how does that fit into with some of the guys you have returning, Maurice uh, Watson and Cole Huff, and, and, and making those pieces all fit together so there's some chemistry and, some, and, and they can gel that way. Um, you know, same thing with Justin Patton. That's adding a freshman big guy that gives us maybe a dimension we haven't had before because he's different than some of the bigs we've had. So figuring out the best way to use his skill set um, and, and again with the rest of the group and how you can kind of intertwine them a little bit I think is the, the biggest key. But, um, you know, we're excited about it because I think this group has a lot of, of, of good pieces. And it just comes down to making it all work together. I guess when you think about um, really since you guys kind of unleashed Maurice, tempo has been you know a big factor. We wanted to kind of ratchet that up a little bit over the years. How much I guess adding Marcus to that backcourt and then Davion uh, behind Maurice. How much are you, emphasis are you going to put on tempo this year, even more so than maybe in years past, if at all? Yeah. I think our tempo, it's always been uh, something we've tried to stress. It's something we, we try to put a huge emphasis on as a, as a unit. Even when you know when we had uh, Doug McDermott and Ethan Roggy and those Thanks guys. Thanks for saying his last name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, Austin Chapman, I mean, we wanted our guys to try to score in that first 10, 12 seconds of the shot clock. Cause we, we just have a philosophy that uh, – make or miss off the defensive end when we come at you we want to try to get get you before you can get set because we feel like it's the best opportunity to score on somebody is before you go against their set defense so you know adding somebody like Marcus uh, to to the group with when you already have Maurice and things I think it's something that um, will only add to our transition game as we go move forward. What have you seen out of the uh, two legitimate newcomers not just the red shirts but uh, Davion and Kobe as far as how they've performed during the uh, during the workouts, and then obviously here with one band practicing the other one. You know, what, what excites me most about most about them is they love to work. Um, they love to work, and they're both really talented. So it's a, that's a great place to start. And now you just got to help them with the transition of moving from the high school game to the college game, and, and then specifically into your our system. And so, and um, I'm I'm really excited about both those guys. I think um, you know they got a lot of room to continue to improve. Which you always want because uh, there is a lot of upside to both of them and I think if they'll continue to work the way they are they're both going to have great careers here. Uh, Kyrie and Justin uh, kind of had the run of this place in the offseason with everybody going home they didn't you know, they are home so they spent a lot of time I guess you know Justin says they spent pretty much like six days a week in here. Well, how much uh, how much better did they get how much better did they get with that offseason having this place accessible to them and kind of just living in the gym during the summer? Well, I, th I think they both had great summers. Uh, they both made huge strides in the weight room, um, and it's, it's uh, affected the way they play because uh, you can see the results of their added strength in, in what they're bringing into the table uh, out on the floor, and that's that's what's been probably made huge for both of them. And I think because of their added strength, they got a little bit more confidence, and, and with confidence uh, it comes a little more production a lot of times. So I, I think the uh, the summer they had was huge for both of them. Uh, Cole Huff looked like he was kind of in Madison Square Garden mode today. Obviously, it's just one day back, but um, 
I imagine the coaching staff had to be pretty pleased with what they saw out of him coming off in six months. Yeah, it's just good to have him back out there, first of all. But um, the way he, he, he gives us another scoring option, another guy that can space the floor to go with the pieces that we have, he's, a, he's just a perfect fit for uh, you know our backcourt. And uh, you know we have multiple bigs that can all shoot it, but uh, to have him back again today is uh, certainly something we're looking forward to having moving forward. What do you what do you like out of how you seen out of Ronnie during the workouts and then? You know, during this practice here, as far as what's different about him heading into year three, you know, even though he's just a sophomore, you're still trying to find, you know, that balance as far as how to keep him engaged all the time. What have you seen in as far as the strides he's made in that area? You know, I think Ronnie, this specifically since we've started school, um, I, th I think he's done a tremendous job. He, he's been in here a lot, and, you know, and with that, those reps and stuff, come success. And, and there's no secret that, you know, coming in and working uh, helps you become successful. But, uh, I think he's done a really good job. I think his body's improved as well. Um, he's stronger than he used to be. Uh, but most importantly, I think he's really, the light bulb's come on work ethic-wise. I think he's given us a more sustained effort uh, in our workouts that, that maybe we hasn't been able to put together back to back to back in, in the first two years. So uh, if he can continue to do that, uh, you know, with his size and skill set, uh, he's got an opportunity to have a big role for us. X Factor might be a little bit dramatic, um, but given that uh, Zach is banged up and, you know, you're really thin on the front line area, how, how important is this early preparation for Ronnie to you know, be a piece you guys can rely on, um, you know, on the backboards and, you know, helping out defensively in the front. Yeah, that's that's the thing that we have with our injuries is, is Ronnie does become an important piece, the same with Martin Crampton, who's coming off the ACL injury, is both those guys are going to have opportunities, especially early, to prove themselves in practice while Cole's working his way uh, back into the, you know, practicing on a more consistent basis, but I'm not sure that's ever going to happen either, so all those guys are going to have opportunities every day in practice to kind of, um, you know, kind of win themselves some playing time. Just, uh, and I, I think Ronnie, because of his size, has the unique ability to play some four and inside stuff for us and become a matchup problem there and then also become a big wing at times. So his biggest issue that he'll have is just being able to learn two positions and, and where he's not having to think and he can just play and play fast and, and not be uh, bogged down by thoughts uh, by playing two positions. D-Rock, thanks for uh, sitting down and having a chat. Rest that voice up because I know you're going to be yelling a lot this year. Uh, good luck getting everybody healthy. All right, thanks, man. All right, Matt, that's great stuff. Um, I know you don't really want me to say that, but it is. A lot of people don't get a chance to spend, you know, 10 quality minutes talking to our longest tenured assistant coach. Uh, D-Rock's a guy that's been around the program for a long time. Uh, I thought that was a really thoughtful interview. And, um, you know, one thing that I'm always interested in, you always, you said it at the onset of the show that he wasn't around on campus those days, a couple of days before practice started, but it was there on Friday, um, you know, out recruiting or doing any of those tasks that uh, assistant coaches need to divvy up and take care of for the program to grow and succeed. You know, you've been around these guys for a long time, like these assistant coaches just kind of showing up in and out day in day out what's life like for an assistant like d-rock right now during this time of the season uh between getting guys ready to go when he's here and traveling abroad yeah it's kind of funny because i mean it's not really funny it's funny we joke about it when i ask them but um just 
you know, to give an idea of what, I guess if people don't realize how much time actually goes into being an assistant coach on a, you know, on a, in a, I guess a men's basketball team that, uh, you know, has high expectations that the city loves, that isn't a big time conference. Um, like I said, we joke about it. It's lighthearted, but there's so many times throughout the year where, you know, I'll walk up to uh, coach Lutz or Murph or, um, I guess I shouldn't say Murph, but there's two of them. So Preston and, uh, <laughs> and I'll go, you know, you know, we'll just be talking. And then I would listen I'll... to a podcast called the two Murphs where it's just Steve Murfield and Preston Murphy talking to one another. I don't know That's... if other Jays fans would, but I would. Oh, that would be perfect. I think we should have a segment called the two Murphs. A like, joint. Let's just bookmark I... for later. We'll, we'll, we'll stow that one away. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I, you know, I'll just, you know, normal conversation. And then you just ask, you know, how's your family doing? And they'll be like, I don't know. It's like, that's what it's like because, um, you know, they'll just be like, oh, I think the wife's doing a good job with them. So I think they're all good, you know, because it's like, it's like they'll, they'll spend so much time, you know, if it's their scout week, they're, 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 you know, just living in the film room, trying to break down all the strengths and weaknesses of the opponent that they're about to play. Um, if they're on the road, they're not, they're not practicing. They're, you know, out recruiting and they fly in game day and or the day before the game and go through the final preparation. And then obviously game day is like a full day experience. So, um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's something that they spend a lot of time away doing. And then, you know, if they're not coaching, they're recruiting. That's pretty much what the season is like for an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, obviously if it's their scout week, they're in town, but they're, you know, they're focused on getting the team ready. And if it's not their scout week, um, you know, they're out on the road or, you know, it always, it, it just never seems like if you're out of practice every day, it never seems like every assistant coach is every, it doesn't seem like the whole coaching staff is ever intact. You know, it just seems like always, someone's always out on the road doing something or someone's somewhere, you know, focusing on not only, while the rest of them are focused on getting better in the meantime, the, the other ones are focused on getting better in the future. So it's a constant, it's a constant cycle. It's crazy. Um, okay. Well, without further ado, I mean, talk about taking a hard right, but <laughs> you just uh, took, <laughs> I just took one. I'm just going to, you know, call it out. I'm the host of the show can do whatever I want. And, uh, you might bring all, uh, bring all the meat and potatoes to the party, but, uh, I'm running the ship, so we're going to take a right-hand turn, and um, we're going to listen to your interview, your exclusive interview with the greatest player in Creighton basketball history, Doug McDermott. I know that uh, you we'll, went through. We'll what, find sorry. out. They're going to battle it out for that title. Who is? I said Kyle and Doug will battle it out for that title. I guess. Winner takes all exactly. on, uh, what, October 20th, 21st? October 20th. 20th. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Thursday night, October 20th at the CenturyLink Center, Omaha. Kyle Corver's Atlanta Hawks and Doug McDermott's Chicago Bulls. There will be other NBA players there. Yeah, just uh, a few. Just a few. <laughs> Guys with rings, you know, that good stuff. But those obviously the two gentlemen that will be the uh, biggest draws for Blue Jays fans and basketball fans in the area. Uh, just a real coup to get that game here in Omaha. I'll be at a preseason one. doesn't really matter, man. That place is going to be rocking. You obviously were in Lincoln last year when Doug hit that shot against the Mavericks in the preseason. Um, maybe the set the, go ahead, Matt. What? 
blew the roof off that place. Just you know, that's fine. They can, uh, they, the can they can the burn atmosphere. that building to the ground, Matt. I don't really care. So uh, <laughs> the the vault or the bank or whatever they call it. All I call it is like where the Jays go to win. But whatever. Doug left Doug left the door open. That's all I know. All right, that sounds good. There we. Uh, <laughs> um. But in all seriousness, uh, you were able to go through Bulls PR, snag this interview with Doug. Uh, hopefully it won't be the last time we speak with him because obviously people um, that follow White and Blue Review obviously are extremely emotionally interested and invested in what Doug's doing with his career. I think it's funny like that the Nuggets are practicing and having their training camp in the Championship Center this fall because you know for about 25 minutes we all thought Doug was going to be a Nugget. And... Um, I don't feel like it was that long. Uh, I know, but... I think you're being generous there. That's fine. Holding out hope, I mean, I go to Denver more than I go to Chicago. Well, actually, I don't know. That's probably 50-50, but anywho. Um, yeah, he went from the powder blue and the yellow to the the more uh, the more recognizable, at least probably nationally, the black and the red. Um, and I know that you're a Bulls fan, so I'm sure that... Uh, you can correct me if I start going off the rails about Chicago basketball, but I argue with people about this all the time because I don't think Denver actually drafted Doug McDermott. I think they just picked him because the Bulls wanted him, and there was a deal going on. So, all right, when I get into this argument a lot, but it's technically a draft pick. pick. You didn't trade yeah. the draft pick before the pick ensued. They selected him and then True. traded his rights, right? Oh, I totally get that, and that's the counter. But I'm like, no, that was the Bulls saying we've got. We'll get your guy, but our guy's going to be gone before we get to pick. So take him, and then we'll make a deal. Sure. I feel like that's what happened. Oh, but, I have no get, doubt that that's what happened. That. They're like, no, he was a Nugget for a little bit. No, 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 no. But I think te- the technicality is he was drafted by the Nuggets in the steed of the Bulls. Because it wasn't just like the Bulls were sleeping on the phone, and then they hear the Nuggets pick, and they're like, oh, crap, we kind of want a Doug. Like, let's swing this deal. Like, it happened so quick. I don't even did he put on a Nuggets hat after like oh. I know on stage he did. I feel I'm like sure went, I'm pretty sure he went right backstage and someone told him to take that off because that's not where he's going. Yeah, I feel like when he I feel like the the footage that we watched that night. Um, I was in like a Mama's Pizza induced coma at that point. I had had so many pieces of pizza before he was drafted. Don't ask me why I remember that, but um, Mama's is good though. Mama's is good. If Mama's is listening, Mama's should get on board and sponsor the Blue Jays by his podcast. Cause, uh, and we're back to shilling. <laughs> hey, that's fine. <laughs> it should be the reverse. Like They should already be paying us, but we're just giving it out for free because we love Mama's so much. That's right. Um, but no, I think I remember him walking down the back steps, at, coming off the stage, uh, and then they just like swapping that hat out right away, and then that's when everybody's like, "Oh, I think he's going to be traded," and blah blah blah. And now he's a bull. He's coming to Omaha. You talk to him about golf and stuff. Um, so maybe just take a couple seconds to set this interview up, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So you know, pretty lighthearted, fun interview. And you know, I think the more in depth stuff is going to come, you know, in a couple of weeks. So I just kind of wanted to, you know, touch base with him, see how training camp is going because they just started that too. Um, obviously, they have a new pl- a lot of new players around with Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. You might have heard of them. Um, in the system now, Derrick Rose and Joe Noah are gone. But, you know, it's year two of Fred Hoiberg. And it's funny because people think, you know, people talk about the transition to the NBA and, you know, Doug's kind of going from 
college to pro and all that thing, like all those things like that. And they don't really realize that, you know, in year one, that was his transition from college to pro. In year two, he has a coaching change and a total and a total total system overhaul of a coaching change too. It's not like Hoiberg and Tom Thibodeau are, you know, share the same share the same ideas of what it takes to be successful at basketball. If it's there a, was like a coin of the opposites of a pro basketball coach, I feel like yeah. Tibbs's face would be on one side and Hoiberg's face would be on the other. Absolutely. So that so that so he trans that was his transition that he dealt with in in year two, and now in year three, he has a new point guard, um, new big men, you know, all these new teammates, and it's kind of just I can't imagine. And we talk about it a little bit and how he's feeling in that regard, um, but he's uh you know that's got to be a tough transition. So you know we dig into that a little bit. We always talk about his head to head golf. Um, you know, golfing record with Coach Mack, which he starts out saying he took got the edge this summer, but he corrects himself. And <laughs> Coach McDermott confirmed yesterday that he was, if he was trying to say that he got the upper hand, he was lying. Okay. So um, the record Dad's is watching straight. and listening everywhere. I mean, come on, can't pull one over on him. The record has been set straight. Coach McDermott is still better than player McDermott at on the golf course. So, um. But Doug will like to tell everybody that he's catching up, so he wants everybody to know that. So, and then obviously we talk about the, you know, the big matchup with Kyle in a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good catch up with um, Creighton's all time leading scorer, the former Naismith Player of the Year, Doug McDermott, speaking with WBR's Matt DeMarinis here on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. So I want to start off with a really hard hitter. Um, how is your golf game, and what is your head-to-head record against Coach Mack looking like these days? Uh, it's it's solid right now. You know, I think I played a lot this summer. I was I was back home all this past week and played really well with Coach DeVries and Coach Vanderloo, and I think that was a sign to hang up. So it was good to end on a good note, and I think I beat my dad twice this summer. So I think I think it was. I was 2-1 because we only played like three times, so. But no, it, it was more than that. It was, he's probably, he probably still has the advantage. Oh, he does? Okay. That was smart. Yeah, but, I mean, I've never beat him in my life before this year, and I've beat him twice, so that's a big step. Oh, so you're catching up then, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess down to business now, you kicked off training camp uh, this week. I guess, how have those first uh, handful of workouts gone for you so far? They've been great, you know, we're, uh, we're really competing, uh, we've had a couple of two-a-days so far, and Coach Hoover gave us just one today, and uh, we've just been playing a lot of live stuff, just competing against each other, um, and, you know, it's been going well, you know, we have a lot of new faces around, so we're all getting used to each other, but the overall vibe right now is a, a lot much better than it was a year ago, so uh, we're all really excited. Now, I guess, obviously as a rookie, you have that adjustment going from the college game to the program. And then in year two, you know, you go from Coach Thibodeau to Coach Hoiberg. And then now here in year three, you have some roster turnover at some key positions. I guess that that can't be easy for someone who's, you know, still trying to find their way in the pro game as it is. Where where are you yeah. at, Where are you at mentally in terms of adjusting to all of that? Um, I'm good. I feel really good. I feel real confident. I like I had a great year last year. Um, shot the ball well, and you know, I feel like that. It's always going to stay. I'm always going to carry over. So this summer, I just try to add a little bit more to my game. And 
lot more athletic. And, um, you know, I think having like Rondo and Wade, they draw a lot of attention. So it can only be a good thing for me. So I'm really excited to, to get to work with those guys. And, um, you know, it should be an exciting, exciting year. I guess when you're, you know, you're sitting at home in in June and watching everything shake out and you look at the conference finals and the four teams that were involved there were, you know, the Bulls were, or you guys went 9-3 and three against those four teams. I guess, were you sitting at home going, you know, kind of getting, I guess, was there some frustration thinking that, you know, you guys had their number all year or, I mean, I guess, do you feel like you guys are closer to contending than maybe some outsiders think they are, think you are? Definitely, I think so. You know, I think we feel real confident in our ability. Um, you know, we just kind of struggle at the bottom tier teams, which is a sign of, you know, maybe not playing together at times. And, um, you know, I think this group's a lot different. I think I think we're really going to have a great year. Um, people are kind of already counting us out. So that's kind of been our mindset is kind of being the underdog this year and fly under the radar. And I think, uh, I think it's very uh, capable. I think we're very capable of being a, being a playoff team. Now, obviously, Wade and Rondo, they bring a lot of championship experience to the team. Um, I guess they know what it's like to, you know, reach the top and, you know, both fall short and succeed at that position. I guess where, what have you picked up from those two veterans as far as, you know, what maybe little extra things it takes to, you know, get, you know, one step further in the playoffs? Um, you know, so far it's just been a lot of practice stuff, so we haven't had a whole lot of group talk together, but, you know, the main thing I picked up is they have championship mentalities. They they practice um, what they preach, and they, you know, they're out there get on guys, um, and we hardly know them, you know, and they're, they're on our cases about bonus assignments, and that's a sign of leadership, that's a sign of a champion, so uh, both of them have those qualities, and everyone's kind of following their lead, and I think it's only going to get better. Now you had to give up the number three, obviously, how many, uh, I guess, how many pints of ice cream did you go through over the summer missing that number? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be different. You know, I had that 11 on a media day, and, uh, you know, it just felt different. But uh-huh. at the same time, uh, it's it's all good, you know. Just a number. Um, it's still basketball. Sure. Um, and, you know, maybe eventually I'll get it back someday. For so sure. uh, look forward to that. Hopefully you'll outlast him. Um yeah, I know. I guess. How close were you to going back to the old Ames High 42? And I guess, how did you settle on 11? Um, I wasn't even close to 42. I, I mean, barely thought of it because I remember how much I hated that number in high school. But, you know, I wanted a couple of different numbers that were already taken. So um, I kind of wanted 22, but Taj was wearing that. Um, I kind of wanted 10, but I was retired. And I, I had 8 for a while. And then. Robin Lopez came and really wanted it, so I was just being a nice guy. Um, and 11 was available, I wore that for Team USA, I just thought, why not? Yeah, I just kind of rolled with it, so I think it'll look good. Um, as long as that ball's going to the bite, I don't care. Exactly, so you're just being a good teammate. Yeah, yeah. I guess, uh, you know, you're obviously... Uh, there's a big game in Omaha coming up next month in a few weeks, actually. Um, you know, you get to play back in the Central Link Center and, um, you know, former Blue Jay Kyle Corver gets to play in it for the first time. How excited, I guess, how much are you looking forward to that game, even though it's just an exhibition? I'm looking forward to it. You know, it should be fun. Um, you know, it's kind of like last year. It's kind of the Lincoln deal. was kind of on my mind for a while now. It's the Omaha deal, so... 
obviously, I hope I can have just as good of an ending as I did last year. But um, overall, I really didn't play that great. So hopefully, I can make some shots in that building um, to get me rolling. Um, that's a special place to me, obviously. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Kyle um, and a lot of Blue Jays fans. And, you know, it'll be fun, really fun experience. Jay, he'll sleep at home. You know, it'll be a, be a great experience. For sure. Have you had any conversations with Kyle about that yet? Um, I remember texting him briefly when it first came out. And uh, he, was, he was pretty pumped up, too. But I think he'd rather have it in the Civic Center. But now uh, now he's going to drive by that and it's blown up. So uh, it'll, it'll be good for, for both of us, though. Um, we're both really excited. For sure. Are there any uh, side bets on the game as far as who scores more, who wins? Not yet. I think that's still in the negotiations. So we'll be matched up against each other, I assume. So uh, it'll be it'll be fun. We're uh, we're both uh, you know both from Iowa. Both have a lot of family coming up, um, and uh, it'll be great great atmosphere in there. For sure. Now I got. We're gonna wrap this up with uh, five really quick questions, just to see how well you remember your senior class, your senior team that you played on at Creighton. Um, and this is based on uh, Rob Anderson's wonderful detailed media guide. So we'll see if you, yeah. see if you did your homework. Yeah. One uh, one player listed their favorite hobby as '90s hip hop music. Who is that player? That's uh, Grant for sure. Yep. Very good. Yeah. I'll try to make these harder as they go. Um, yeah. This person, this player listed their favorite TV show as Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers? Yeah. Um, I'd have to say... Rocky? Nope. Uh, no, I don't do that yet. Um, so is this a senior? It has to be a senior in my class? Uh, this one is a senior, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, not Jens, is it? Yeah, it is. It is Jens? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Alright, I got that kind of right then. Speaking of Jahans, does he owe you money or do you just like playing against Toronto naturally? Oh, yeah, I just, I don't know, it's something about, something about Toronto. I love that city and I just always get a good night's sleep there. It's just a great place. Nice. Alright, this one, the next one is this person, this person listed their favorite spot on campus as the St. John's Church. Who is that? That was me. Yep, that was you. Yeah, I think I remember writing that. Yeah, I thought I could Good trick spot. you. I thought I could trick you, but you're on top of it. Yeah. Now this one is uh, kind of obscure. I can't really believe it's true. So we'll see if you remember it or not. But this person listed yeah. their favorite sports team as the Buffalo Bills. Who is that? That was uh, Alex Olson. Correct. Correct. Yeah. You're doing I really. That. You're doing really well so far. I know. Okay, so this last one. Uh, one, there's two, it impl- applies to two players, actually. One of them is currently okay. still on the team. Okay. Their middle name is Donald. Um, shit. Um, is it Tyler Clement? No. Zach Hansen? No. Um, one, of them, for, one of them is a former teammate, was a senior, and... On your team, and oh, Donald. Uh, oh, okay. So, so this guy, so Donald, he might not be on the team. One of them is on the team, and one of them was a senior on your 2013-2014 team. 
and they're put in the middle names both Donald. Yep. Okay. Um, Fake three-point shooting. Three, you said what? Fake three-point shooting. Ethan? Ethan is one. Ethan's middle name's Donald? I didn't know that. According to the media, guys. Uh, all right, well, I got that. Or whatever. Ethan and the other one is Tyler Zach. Toby. No. Um, that would be Isaac. Give me a sec. Give me a sec? Give me a sec. Okay. Yeah, well, I just knocked off three guys that were on the team with me. Um, just trying to think who the last one would be. Right. Um, did you walk on? No. No. It's the same hint I gave you for Ethan applies to this player also. So thanks for your Oh, duh, duh. You're... Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, I did. You just said Minnesota. Yeah, I got it. For sure. I did not know that. Uh, Doug, I really appreciate the time. I know you're very busy, so uh, thanks for sitting down, and good luck to the rest of training camp, and we'll see you in Omaha in a few weeks. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. Matt, that was awesome. Um, you know, just – we at WBR, we, you know, we, I think we published the first photo of Doug at Creighton um, during his dad's introductory press conference. Doug rocking some sweet braces and a, a brand new white Creighton t-shirt that I'm sure he got probably like the day before from the bookstore or something that morning. Um, but, you know, to watch him all four years play at Creighton and just do amazing things, it's wonderful that uh, you were able to set up that interview uh, with Creighton's all-time leading scorer and, and keep him up to date um, or keep our Jays fans up to date with what he's doing right now as training camp gets ready. So I just yeah, that say was, thanks. That was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it was definitely a fun ride while he was at Creighton, and then it's been it's been pretty fun to watch him in the NBA and kind of grow and get better as a player there too. I do, uh, do want to give a shout-out to um, – Bulls uh, coordinator of public and media relations, Kristen Deal, um, for setting up that interview. I know, uh, I, I I know D- Doug was in Omaha, and I was trying to get him while he was in Omaha, um, but he f- uh, he was busy all day the day we were trying to set it up, and then he flew out the next morning, so I missed him in Omaha and ended up having to um, call Kristen, and then who I had met last year in Lincoln and, um, you know, she was great with setting up everything that we did last year, uh, for that exhibition game, mm-hmm. the Mavericks. And so I called her and then I realized after I called her and, um, left a message and told her what I was thinking about doing, um, to see if Doug was available. I realized it was actually their media day that I had done that on. She's a little busy that day. No, man. she was a little bit. I was, that was a little bit way to, way to go, Matt, on that one. Um, but she did reach out a couple days later and I, of course, apologized for adding to her immediate day schedule. And she said, Oh, it's no big deal. Um, that's just kind of why it took a couple days to get back to you. But yeah, she was fantastic. Um, in getting Doug and setting it up. And, um, I really appreciate all the effort she made to make that interview possible. So thank you, Kristen. Okay. Well, um, the last interview of the week, Matt, um, you were able to catch up with Creighton women's soccer standout. Lauren Sullivan, tell us a little bit about that interview. Yeah, Lauren's a Lauren's a kid. I'm glad we got to get on the show because um, she, I don't think she gets uh, a lot of the credit she deserves. And you know, other than my tweets or stories or things like that, uh, I feel like women's soccer kind of gets um, doesn't get as much attention as you know the other 
um, five or six major sports. Um, but, you know, she spent her entire career in the Big East Conference, so she's really part of that, you know, that whole movement from the Missouri Valley to the Big East. Um, and uh, she's, you know, and if you think about that, you know, as far as what the Big East is compared to the Missouri Valley, it's a much better soccer conference, both men's and women's. And to see her, you know, kind of have the career that she's had and put up the numbers she's had and kind of be the go-to star of that team over the years. I mean, when you look at, you know, she's sitting on 28 goals in her career. That's fifth all-time all by herself. Points, uh, she has 65. That's seventh all-time. Um, she's second all-time in multi-goal matches with seven, um, of which she just had uh, probably the best you know, certainly the most highlight one of her career against Marquette, which is probably the biggest win they've had in her career. Um, and then she's third all-time in goals at Morrison Stadium with 17. And then if you look at all that, all that she's done, and then you see, you know, oh, well, she's a four-year starter. Yeah, well, she's not even in the top ten in matches played yet um, at Creighton. And to do so, to crack the top ten, they'd probably have to go all the way to the College Cup this year. So to see what she's doing also in a short amount of time, um, despite it being four years, she hasn't played a lot of matches um, compared to the other people who are, you know, um, you know, she shares those record books with, but so she's one, she's an absolute star on and off the field. Um, very competitive kid. Uh, you know, she gets on her teammates, she gets on herself, she gets on referees, she gets on opponents. Um, you know, she's really, you know, between the lines, she's very competitive um, outside the line, she's, you know, an intelligent, articulate kid who, you know, can talk soccer with you. Um, she can break things down. She's not afraid to be critical of herself. Um, she's just been a really, uh, good student athlete to interact with over the years, um, when we're doing interviews and, you know, talking soccer and things like that. So, um, I'm pretty, I'm glad that she had the time to, um, get on the podcast and hopefully people will enjoy what they hear out of her. So without further ado, this is Matt DeMaris talking to Crate Women's Soccer standout Lauren Sullivan on the Blue Jays by its podcast. First things first, have you and the team come down from that emotional high yet from Sunday? Or are you still riding? <laughs> I don't know about that. Honestly, I think we were all really, really excited. I was excited on end yesterday. I still can't believe it happened, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's a big game, big, big win. So and obviously the way it happened, too, it's definitely an emotional high for sure. Sure. Put it. Um, you know, given that Marquette, you know, kind of came into that match having, you know, pretty much owned you guys mm-hmm. throughout your career. Oh, yeah. When you fall behind 2 nothing and you see the type of goals they got, was there any point where you're just like, man, we're just not going to get this team? Yeah. I should be honest with you, as soon as they had banged in that second goal, I was... I was a little nervous. Yeah. You know, that's what, how it's been in the past. They get a first goal, and you kind of put your head down a little bit. You try not to, but, I mean, there's always a little bit, especially, you know, in the past they've kind of, like you said, owned us. Um, so they bang in that second goal a couple couple minutes later, and it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, you get down a little bit, but, you know, thankfully we had a little bit of a momentum shift when we knocked in our first goal. So, so yours, you know, it's funny because I saw it first on a replay. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, you know, you made a nice... It's funny watching soccer because you see something that happens and you think, okay, that was about 20 yards away. And then the more you watch it, the slower, when you slow it down, you're like, okay, that was a lot further away than I thought. You actually got the ball Mm -hmm. on the other side, on your defensive half. Yeah. And took it all the way to score by yourself. Yeah. Through their entire (laughs) defense. 
what were you seeing on that play? Was it just like, I'm just going to take this and score? Honestly, you know, we had we had scouted them a little bit, and I knew that, um, you know, they're obviously they're a great team, but we had noticed that their center backs were sometimes a little bit disconnected. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know, I had some space. Gabby played me a ball, and I turned, and all I saw in front of me was their two center backs. So I was like, okay, let's just see. So I started, like, sort of tentatively dribble at one of them, and she just backed off, backed off, backed off. And I was like, okay, let's see what happens. So I just kept going and, you know, got a little bit of a touch. I think the number four, one of their center backs, got a um, super unlucky bounce that kind of came off their foot when I tried to split them. Um, straight to me and I saw the keeper a little bit off the line so I knew if I could just sneak it under her arm that I'd have a good shot. So they're disconnected, you brought them together a little, so. A little bit, yeah, I guess I did. I mean, eventually they were going to have to step to me, but I I mean, if they're disconnected, you know, a lot of the time throughout the field, I know maybe they don't communicate that well together. Uh, Maybe they're a new pairing, which I'm pretty sure they are, so I figured, you know, there was a shot in there somewhere. (laughs) Now, I think you took the shot actually from the... I don't know what they call that little semi, half semicircle or whatever. Yeah, somewhere around there. Did, well, I guess what kind of touch were you thinking to put on it? Because obviously mm-hmm. you're surrounded on the right and left side and the yeah. keeper's closing in on your window there. Mm-hmm. On, I just wanted to put it on frame. I saw the keeper come in a little bit and I knew if I hit it like low enough it might sneak underneath her. Um, but yeah, honestly, I just wanted to put it on frame, which is pretty much how I feel about all of my opportunities. Sure. <laughs> just put it on frame. So. <laughs> I- Ross says that, you know, he said in the past that this is that's, those are the type of goals you score. Mm-hmm. You know, for some reason, the harder it gets, you know, the, those are the ones you're able to put away mm-hmm. versus how we joke in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what is it about those situations when it doesn't look like that's a high percentage opportunity for you that you're able to bang those in? Honestly, I, I just feel like it's something I just switch off and then switch on. I don't even know. I, you know, I obviously I'm determined. Obviously, you know, I want to you know, help the team do as well as we possibly can. So when I'm in a scenario like that, and I know even though it may not be high percentage, you know, it's still a good opportunity for me. I feel like the less I think about it, the more focused I am, which, you know, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I I had a coach when I was younger, and we always joked, and he says, like, think about mud, think about mud. Like, when you're about to put, you know, a shot on goal, just be composed and don't think about you know, the risk or the reward, just think about, you know, something other than that, <laughs> so. Uh, I guess, you know, over the years covering this team, you know, I've heard from Ross and from players and, you know, yourself that, you know, it's, every match is different, mm-hmm. you know, you start over at zero, zero, you know, every time. Usually, that's when we're talking about losses, though. Yeah. So I feel like I can ask this question again because mm-hmm. you finally you beat Marquette. Yeah. <laughs> can you? Thank God. <laughs> can you take that match and carry it over? Can you take, you know, the emotion that you guys felt from that, mm-hmm. the fact that it was a big win, a statement yeah. win in the conference? Can right. you take that into the next match? I mean, I think we definitely have a little bit of momentum right now. Obviously, you know, we're on a bit of a high, but you know, we're up against a good team on Thursday at DePaul. Yeah. Um, so I think as much as we need to. Be, carry our momentum and be excited and, you know, take that emotion and put it into our next match, we also need to be focused and realize, you know, this is a completely separate game. You know, we've got eight more games a season, just regular season, um, and, you know, we need to do our best to focus on each one and worry about the next ones. Right now, like, yeah, we beat Marquette, and yeah, I'm really excited about it, and I think that's great and awesome, but we still need to, you know, 
remember that DePaul is a great team. DePaul was, you know, preseason ranked better than Marquette, if I remember. So, um, you know, I guess, like, yeah, take that emotion, take your momentum, but you just got to remember this is a new team, completely is, different game. So. so it is a new 90. Okay. Yeah. Consistent. <laughs> DePaul. DePaul. Obviously put it on Xavier. Mm -hmm. oh, um, yeah. Franny, you know, mm -hmm. got the hat trick. Yeah. That field is something else. <laughs> what uh, what 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 are the challenges you guys face as far as trying to you know neutralize their now confident attack after banging yeah. home fine goals? You know they're going to come in confident. What what do you need to do to get a result out of that? Honestly, I think we just need to match them in our attack. You know, obviously we're pretty confident right now. Every every goal we're banging or every game we're you know you typically banging in a couple of goals. Um, I feel like we're starting to click on the attack as well. So. I don't know. I mean, our defense, I trust our defense. I think we've got a great back line, our great, you know, defensive center mids. You know, everywhere I think we play good defense. We just need to remember to stay focused, um, especially since, you know, like you said, they are sort of a high-powered attack and they're feeling confident right now. Um, but we just need to do what we work on in practice, try to stay connected, try to stay focused, hopefully give us a result. <laughs> and I guess, you know, you see that you have a leg up now in conference. Obviously, it's only one match. Everyone's only played one match. Yeah. But, you know, you see that, um, you know, Georgetown was on a roll mm -hmm. and they get a draw yeah. against a Providence team who's also, I think, in the top half of the league. Yeah. So, I guess, where do you think uh, this team stands in the conference mm -hmm. as far as how it's going to shake up and where do you think it can go? How, how, I mean, obviously, if you think Georgetown is the preseason favorite for a reason and yeah. they've proven that so far. Right. Where is Creighton? Honestly, you know, I'm not sure. I know, like like you, like you said, you know, DePaul's a great team. Georgetown's obviously a great team. Um, I think that if we play like we did against Marquette, we can definitely, you know, get a result. Um, you know, I, I trust our team. I believe in our team, and I think we can match up against the best of them. Um, but at the same time, even if we drop a couple games, which, you know, hopefully we don't, hopefully we, you know, play how we're supposed to play, play how we, how we know we can play, um, and get a couple results, but I think later on down the road, this three points um, against Marquette is going to be huge for us. Um, especially in, in prior years, you know, we've always dropped our first Big East game, mm -hmm. and it's kind of come back to haunt us at the end of the season when we have to, then, then we have to win games, which we haven't. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I really think that these three points at Marquette are going to shake up, and it's going to end up being huge. But I think I think we can stack up with some of the best teams in the Big East. I guess. Uh... I just lost the train of thought on my last question, but I guess toward going now towards, I guess, when you think about where you're at right now mm -hmm. and in this program, and obviously Ross is in his second year leading yeah. you guys, what is, what's the biggest difference without, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. tossing aside the previous regime, what is, what right. is, what is the biggest difference in the level of play and, you know, the feel of the team and the things yeah. you're trying to do, you know, since Ross took over? Um... Honestly, I just feel like we have a really, really good team chemistry this season. And not that we haven't in years past. Um, I just feel like we're all on the same page. We're all extremely excited. We all believe in each other. I know whoever steps on the field is going to, you know, work their butts off. And their ultimate goal is to try to better the team. And that, like I said, that's not to say we didn't have that in years past, but I feel like it's every single person this year. Mm -hmm. You know, even the girls who aren't playing, even the girls who, you know, step on for a couple minutes, who people are playing 90 minutes, it doesn't matter. I feel like everybody just wants what's best for the team, and I think that that's a big difference. I know all of our coaches believe in us, and I know we all believe in each other, um, and I think everyone's kind of bought into that this year. 
more than years prior. So yeah. I think that's definitely the difference. Um, have you, I don't know if you're taking a look at the schedule or looked far ahead or not, but you have, as far as the schedule shakes out, you know, non postseason matches yeah. included, you have four matches left. Home. At Morris Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Have you thought about that at all? I've thought about it a little bit. I've got our like poster up above my bed, and yeah. you kind of you know tack off the games, and it's just got the home schedule on there. So I'm like, oh, we just played Marquette. That's not very many left on there then. Mm -hmm. um, so I've definitely thought about it, and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a moment for sure. Each game, you know, it's a privilege. It's as emotional as you are. Oh yeah, for real. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> But, um, I mean, it's obviously it's a privilege to play on this field and be a part of this university, so, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be pretty cool. <laughs> okay, now now we get to have a little bit of fun. Okay. We'll let you, we'll let you kind of, we'll hold, let you hold on to that. Okay. Well, just point towards yourself. Okay. Um, and then, this is going to be you-centric. Okay. So you're going to have to have a good memory of what you've done so far. Oh, geez. But we'll start <laughs> off with one that's not... That kind of is about, you know, what you did yesterday. Okay. So you scored two goals against Marquette, right? Yes. Who was the last person, do you think, in conference play to do that today? Oh, jeez. No, <laughs> it is someone you have played against. I would say Rachel Daly. Yes, yeah, you're right. Okay, nice. She's, <laughs> now, a, now she's a stud, right, so. she is. <laughs> pros. So I know, she, that, she's. Like, oh, no. Yeah, she's, I feel, I don't know. I mean, I'm not as good as Rachel Daly, but holy cow. It's nice to be yeah. set aside her, yeah. <laughs> now you have a uh, – I'm not going to tell you how many game-winning goals you have because it's a question for later. Okay. But there are, there are three people who have scored three or more game-winning goals in more than one season for Creighton. Okay. You. Okay. And who are the two others? I would guess Brittany Newman might be one. That would be one. Okay, she's a stud. Um, and then, gosh, what is who's the person with the most goals? Is it like Marcy. Marcy Gans? Yes. Yeah, her. That's right. Good job. Woo! Off to a good start. <laughs> okay, so you've scored 27 goals in your career. Yeah. Not, you know, counting Rhode Island. Um, <sighs> Sad. How, <laughs> how many of them are at Morrison Stadium? Oh gosh, I would say half, so half-ish, half we'll go 13. That's how many you started the year with, oh. so you are at 17. 17 now? Yeah, oh 17 nice. Morrison cool, Morrison. What, what what team did you score your first career goal against? Oh, I do, I do know this. Is this um, Northern Colorado? No. no? Uh, who is it? You're, you're almost there. You're spitting it out, and then you go off the rails there. Somebody. North? North's over there. North Dakota? There you go. Oh, North Dakota. <laughs> Your first career multi goal match, who was that against? UNO. It was on this field now. No? Oh. I have no idea. Um, no, I have no idea. No. Western Illinois. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember that. There you go. Sophomore year? And now, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, oh, cheat. Sorry, I wasn't. That's okay. I can't see anyway. <laughs> uh, Multi-goal games on the road. Okay. You've done it twice. Who were the teams? Jeez. Just said one of them. 
and the other one it's almost embarrassing. If you know you know. I know that's one. Yeah? Yeah. And? And? It's, it's incredible you're struggling with this. <laughs> truly, I don't remember! It's truly incredible. You just did it. Just did it. Oh, Yale. Yale. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, I'm going one game at a time. Sure. Forget about no. it. Yale. Yeah. <laughs> Yale. Thanks, Glenn. Okay. Three teams in the Big East you have not scored a goal against. Or mm. four teams, excuse me. St. John's, DePaul, and... Shoot, 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 shoot. Xavier. One more. Crap. I'm trying. Uh. Who's the one team I'm missing? I'm literally cycling through all the teams sure. and I'm forgetting that one team. I don't know. That would be Georgetown. Georgetown. Yeah. Uh, of course Georgetown. There, you have scored three goals in Big East play against two Big East teams. Three goals. The most you've scored against any Big East team. Mm -hmm. So they're tied for your first. Who are the two teams? Providence. That's one. Marquette. I scored against them sophomore year. Correct. So now, how many game-winning goals do you think you've scored in your career? This one's kind of easy because I just really... Did you? Yeah. That's cool. So like eight. Good job. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Eight. I was thinking it might have been, but I wasn't sure. Good job. Lauren, thanks for sitting down. Yeah, of course. Appreciate the conversation. Yeah. Good luck against DePaul. Thanks so much. Really appreciate taking the time to catch up with Lauren. I know that Creighton women's soccer fans and just Blue Jays fans in general find that interview uh, just really informative and really engaging she's a great personality and um, obviously a highly decorated player uh, four-year player for the Blue Jays um, that brings us to the end of this podcast uh, I know that uh, we kind of hit through uh, just men's basketball and women's soccer this week and that there's been a lot of stuff going on on the hilltop with all the different um, fall sports and with basketball getting into gear so i'm sure we'll we'll be able to touch on more of that next week in the next episode i'm um, also next week i know that uh matt you've already got one interview in the can for that episode and it's a doozy it's nearly 30 minutes with creighton's uh, athletic director du jour uh, not du jour i guess extraordinaire would be the case not the not the athletic <laughs> director of the day but I'm hungry, so whatever. As you can tell, I've missed lunch. But um, you sat down with Bruce Rasmussen for nearly 30 minutes, uh, kind of picked his brain about all things Creighton Blue Jays sports. Um, so uh, really looking forward to that interview. Any any little tease, any little uh, teaser you want to give to Jays fans and our listeners there before next week's podcast? Uh, if I could put it into one word, it would be everything. Is that one word? <laughs> everything? It is. I guess we'll put it together. Okay. Yeah, everything, because we pretty much run the gamut. Um, every single sport uh, that is considered a major sport at Creighton, I think with the uh, exception of softball, we didn't really touch on that, but okay. I don't get a chance to cover that, so sure. I wouldn't know what to ask. But, yeah, we talk about um, every single sport that you know is considered a major sport at Creighton. Um, we, we zoom in on those sports and kind of get his uh, his gauge, his expectations for each one of them. Then we zoom out and kind of look at the conference as a whole in regards to each of those sports. And then um, we also have a pretty interesting insight from him on two coaches in particular in Ross Pauly for Creighton Women's Soccer, who's got his team kind of on the rise in year two and um, kind of the things he saw to Ross as far as why he thought that would be a good hire. 
Um, and then we touch on Creighton volleyball and kind of um, look at, you know, the Sweet 16 going all the way back to where it started with Kirsten Bernthal Booth and why, uh, why he thought she was the woman for the job. So it'll be an interesting interview. Um, and I'm looking forward to putting that out there for everybody. Sounds good. So that's actually what we're going to do for our What's on Tap this week. Uh, Mama's Pizza, if you want to um, you know, pony up and, and start sponsoring this piece, I'm sure we could cut you a really good deal. But sponsor or no, uh, sponsor or none, the last couple of weeks we've always taken a look ahead at what's going on with Blue Jays Athletics. Um, but we're going to go ahead and use that as our What's on Tap because obviously folks uh, will be able to learn quite a bit from, from Rass in your interview with him. So Regardless of what else we have on next week's episode, that's kind of must-see TV or must-listen podcast or whatever the term is in the industry for that. Um, and with that, we're just going to wrap up. Uh, Matt DeMarinas, thanks as always for your bulldog mentality and getting the interviews with people around campus that RJ's fans My uh, pleasure. want to hear about. And, um, and we look forward to next week's episode. And for all you Jays fans listening at home or wherever that you're podcasting this from, really appreciate you uh, tuning in week in, week out. We've been really happy so far with the numbers that we've posted for each and every episode of the podcast, growing our listenership each and every week. So if there's other Jays fans you think would find this interesting or I wouldn't say entertaining because, you know, that'd be patting ourselves on the back too much, but, um, you know. Interesting and and enlightening for Jays fans. Feel free to send this forward. We'd really appreciate you sending this to other folks so that they can sharing this with other folks so they can they can listen and then ultimately send us ideas for who they want to hear from, uh, past, present, future Blue Jays and coaches that they want us to interview. And by us, I mean Matt <laughs> primarily. Let's be honest. Uh, but. Uh, we're just really happy to have a venue here that we can speak all things Blue Jays athletics. So for that, I'm going to sign off. I'm Bryant Ott from whiteandbluereview.com. Make sure you check out the site and listen to the podcast. Have a great weekend or whatever day it is that you're listening to this recording, and go Jays.